Of the Sacred Feminine, whether you're across town or across the globe. I'm your host, Karen Tate. I have been voted one of the most influential women of goddess spirituality. I know you can't see me, but I am blushing. And it's all because of this show, Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you so much for your listener loyalty and for being such an important part of the Voices of the Sacred Feminine family from wherever you're listening from. Well, that cut opening tonight's show was called Peace, Salome, Shalom by Emma's Revolution. Well, tonight my guest is Barry Eaton, and uh, we're going to be chatting about the other side and secrets of life after death, so stay tuned. Uh, Dr. Eaton has not actually called in yet. Uh, We are in Mercury retrograde, so I am a little bit concerned, Uh, but we chatted yesterday, so I'm hoping he's just a little bit late. Uh, So I will go on to a few housekeeping tidbits and some things I had scheduled for the latter part of the show as we wait for him to call in. I am very excited to announce uh, the long-awaited trip to visit goddess sites of Turkey in May of next year. Um, We are in the process of pricing it and planning it. I got the emails from you folks out there who are interested in Turkey and also interested in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you, thank you uh, for letting me hear from you. Uh, Both the, the conference in Nashville, which I'll talk about in a second, and the tour to Turkey are for men and women. Uh, Pretty soon, I will be sharing some of the destinations on the Turkey itinerary, and uh, as well as the price. We will most definitely be visiting sites sacred to Mary, Artemis, Aphrodite, and many of the other feminine faces of God in Anatolia, as it was once called, the land of the nourishing mothers. 
So moving on to something a little closer to home, uh, the Nashville Goddess Conference. It's right around the corner. And you know what? The early bird discount ends in about a week. Uh, And if you sign up for the early bird discount, the organizer has some free classes for you that you can get as a bonus for signing up early. So don't miss this. Uh, If you're thinking about coming, don't delay any longer. If you want to know more, About the whole conference, I interviewed about five of the presenters last week here on the show, so just check the archives. The conference itself is $333. Yes, there's those sacred threes for three days uh, for all the activities, rituals, transportation, food. For more information, uh, go to divaoflightnetwork.com, divaoflightnetwork.com. I have to tell you, I am really getting excited about the conference after talking to all the other presenters. Uh, And while I am presenting there myself and looking forward to doing that, of course, I'm even more excited uh, to be part of what we're going to be doing in the Athena Temple off-site in the museum there in Nashville. And the women presenting at this conference are an incredibly eclectic bunch with loads of insight and wisdom to help you find your inner goddess, to empower yourself, to find your path in life, to manifest your dreams. will most definitely help you find your sacred roar. So give yourself the gift of this conference. And uh, if it's not in your budget, you know what, that's okay too. Let me know, and if there are videos or audios of the conference available afterwards, you might be able to take advantage of that. Or finally, you know what, just listen to my interview with the women um, that we did recently. It's in the archives there. And if any of them pique your curiosity, uh, the website Diva of Light Network lets you know how to reach each of these women, and you can get in touch with them outside of the conference and uh, talk to them about their work and how they might be able to help you. Also, uh, thanks to those of you who came to my booth at the Long Beach Women's Spirit Fair on Saturday and chatted with me about my show and my books and what you're doing and, you know, why this is all so important to you. It was really nice meeting all of you and hearing how the show has made a difference in your life or who your favorite guests were or your ideas for other guests. You know, I don't think I mentioned this to you uh, yet. Uh, It's sort of been percolating or marinating in my mind, but my husband and I went to see Maleficent about a week or so ago, and I got the idea that, you know what, this is kind of a feminist fairy tale, so I have decided to allocate uh, maybe the whole month of October, I haven't, I haven't decided yet, but at least several weeks in October, and I'm going to make it Feminist Fairy Tale Month. Now, uh, Barbara Walker has a book out called Feminist Fairy Tales, and I thought, you know what, I am just going to go to the source. I am going to get in touch with Barbara Walker. Uh, she's been on the show, you know, she's in the archives, and I'm going to ask Barbara to maybe introduce some of these feminist fairy tales that um, uh, she presented to us years ago. Uh, I think it would be fun uh, to bring them back alive, uh, so I will be reading some of those to you in October, which made me start thinking, hmm, well, what about some of those uh, goddess myths, especially the ones from pre-patriarchal times. So you know what? We might be doing some of that too. So I hope you think that's exciting. Uh, if you do, uh, let me know. If you have any ideas for any of that, let me know too, because you know what? This is your show too. 
And you know what? If you're new to the show, let me tell you a little bit about my new book that's out there titled Goddess Calling. It fills the gap in our lack of devotional and inspirational literature within the growing movement of uh, devotees of the sacred feminine. It connects the dots between goddess religion and social justice and politics, namely sacred feminine liberation theology, really giving us an alternative to the patriarchy we live in. You know, if we dissolve patriarchy, if we're tenacious, like water wearing away rock, we do have something to replace it, and it's not patriarchy in a skirt. No, 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 no. Goddess Calling, my book, has been endorsed by Jean Houston, Selena Fox, Barbara Walker, Z Budapest, Isadora Forrest, and other folks who we all think very highly of. I hope that you'll do me a big favor and pick it up uh, either from me, from my website at KarenTate.com, from Amazon, if that's most convenient, or if you feel it's important to support your your uh, local small business instead of a multinational corporation like Amazon that supports causes not in the best interest of the 99%, well, you know what? Ask your local bookstore to order it. They can. Um, you know, this isn't self-published. Uh, you can get it in all the usual places. And then you know what? After you've read it, please write a review somewhere. Listopia, Goodreads, Amazon, your blog, send it to me. I'll post it where uh, it can actually be seen. Well, I think maybe Barry is actually on the switchboard. Let me see if this is him. Hey, Barry, is that you? Hello, Karen. Yes, it is me. <laughs> I was starting to get worried with that Mercury retrograde and all. I thought maybe uh, even though we talked yesterday, you'd forgotten me. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right, Mercury retrograde. I was, I had it logged in for an hour later. I was off doing something, and I, suddenly my intuition said, Barry, this is the wrong time. Quick, get to that phone. <laughs> So you know, Barry, I did the account. exact same thing. I had a I had a guest interviewing me for my book about two or three weeks ago, and I had it in my head that it was a certain time, and it was in in the time I thought it was was an hour late. I would have been off the air by then, and and just like you said, I started getting a feeling. You know, to check my email, I checked my email, and, and there was a, a frantic message, call in now, call in now. <laughs> That's exactly what I got. Uh, look, Karen, I do apologize. I had it written down in my diary for now later, but I think it must have been uh, just a mess up on uh, on Australian and U.S. time differences. So I do Oh, apologize. you know what? It's, it's okay. It's easy enough to do. It's all very confusing. And uh, you know what? I have, I have been, uh, I actually just finished all my housekeeping stuff. So um, you didn't get to hear it. <laughs> but uh, you know what? You, you're calling in now is actually perfect. Uh, I, I really hadn't begun to stall yet uh, waiting for you. Oh, so, fantastic. Um, Somebody up there must like me. I think so. Well, you know, we are going to be talking something about that, aren't we? <laughs> I hope so. Um, so let me tell my listeners a little bit about you, and then we'll jump in. Um, dear listeners, Barry Eaton is who uh, we are about to start chatting with, and uh, he so very kindly uh, had me on his radio show uh, not that long ago uh, chatting about Goddess Calling, and we had such a wonderful time. When I found out he had books out, especially about this very interesting subject, I said, you know, what I have to reciprocate and uh, have him on mine. Uh, his new book is called uh, No Goodbyes. It comes out uh, well. It's actually out now, I believe, in Australia. Maybe not in the United States yet, right? 
Yeah, yeah, not yet. Not yet. Uh, but his first no, my, book... My after- first book, Afterlife, is out, but No Goodbyes won't be out until apparently next springtime. Okay. Um, so his first book, Afterlife, Uncovering the Secrets of Life After Death, uh, that's been released here in the United States. It's an imprint of the Penguin Group called uh, Torture. And uh, he's got really great reviews. Uh, I mean, this is a hot topic. Everybody wants to know about this. I, I, I am so jealous he has been able to get himself on Coast to Coast for three hours. I have been trying so hard to get on Coast to Coast, but I don't think they're interested so much in what I have to say. <laughs> um, oh, so I don't that, be like that, Karen. <laughs> huh? I don't be like that. You never know. You never know. You never know. know. Maybe you can put in a good word for me or something over there. But you know what? They like this sort of stuff. You know, I'm more political and women's stuff. And, you know, that's not really what what they're about. But who knows one day. Um, So, yeah, so Barry's website is barryeaton.com. And I've been looking forward to this interview because, as I'm sure uh, my listeners feel the same, you know, this is a topic that – you know, really piques the curiosity of all of us because, uh, you know, we don't know uh, what happens after we die. We we hope we know. We think we know. Um, so I guess, Barry, let's start with um, what made you, you know, the obvious. What made you write a book like this? Well, it's an interesting story, Karen. I actually wrote a book which was a, a collection of articles and features and stories and thoughts about the whole area of the metaphysical and um, I took it along to a friend of mine who's a publisher and and she came back to me a couple of months later and said look I really this is the short version I really can't publish something because it's got too many different areas in it but how would you feel about just taking the chapter about past lives reincarnation and life after death and turning that into a book well, I don't know too many authors that say to a publisher, no, I'm not interested in your idea. So <laughs> I went away and wrote a book about the afterlife. <laughs> right, right. And well, you know, that's actually, that, that's actually what happened to me with my first book. Uh, the publisher I sent it to, um, I sent them the proposal for what turned out to be my second book. Uh, he didn't want to publish uh, what I was suggesting, but he wanted me to publish my book on sacred places of goddess around the world and be the next book in his series. So I went ahead and wrote that book for him, and then um, the book I was pitching him, another publisher, published uh, you know, down the road. So, yeah, you can't really turn that down because you know, the, when the universe uh, puts something in your lap like that, you have to pay attention. Well, that's right, and I found out afterwards that uh, when I connected with spirit that uh, there's a a concerted drive on, shall we say, in the world of spirit to get the word out. So I'm just one of several people that they've obviously chosen to to get these messages going and and helping to remove the fear of death, or so-called death. I don't believe in death, only the death of the body. And um, when, when you start to realize that there is some kind of universal push on like this, then, yeah, you you relax and go with it, Karen. 
Yeah. Well, you know, Barry, I don't know if this is something new to you or not, this idea I'm about to mention, but uh, what you just said made me think about it. Um, You know, I I talk to a lot of scholars about goddess spirituality, as you well know, and, you know, we we try to figure out, you know, how did patriarchy come to be? Why did goddess and the ideas of, of goddess and nature and all of that sort of get kicked to the curb? And some of them will tell you, um, that it had to do with the fact that uh, humankind, mankind, um, wanted, you know, was in denial about death. I mean, they were afraid of death. And the sacred feminine goddess is really so much about the circle of life from womb to tomb. It's, you know, sort of undeniable. You know, you, uh, you're going to return to her at the end. So, you know, kind of, uh, kind of a thing, you know. And, uh, that was one of the things they thought that they could, I don't know, cheat death in a way, you know, because, uh, you know, what happened here didn't matter. It's all about the afterlife. And so that's part of the theory of why uh, what goddess is about was, um, you know, was, was kicked to the side, you know, man's fear, you know, fear of, of death. And, you know, and I do think when we no longer fear it, um, boy, what a difference it would make in all our lives, right? Well, that's right. It's not only not fearing it, it's understanding what we refer to as death and what actually happens and what we can look forward to to be able to remove that fear and also to realize that we've all been gods and goddesses uh, in the past. We've all uh, been male and female in the various lives we've led. But in between lives, there's such a, an amazing adventure. The, the life continues. It just doesn't end when the body um, packs it in. That's just the, the body is just a vehicle for the soul, and right. once the body is removed, then the the spirit, which is the uh, the vehicle for the soul, it returns to where it originally came from. And as I said mm. in my book, that even uh, the law of physics supports this because the energy that is needed, call it soul energy, whatever label you like, when that departs from the body. You can't destroy energy. That's a law of physics. It can only be transmuted. So to me, it's logical that the energy returns to the source from which it came and call that the afterlife, call it heaven, call it paradise, call it the world of spirit, you know, whatever label you like. That's what happens in essential um, scientific terms, if you like. So, so Barry, so let me, I, and I want to, I want to talk more about that. But let me ask you first: What is your spiritual or religious background? Are you Christian, eclectic? Uh, what, what are you? Oh. <laughs> well, I don't think it really matters. But I was brought up um, in the Church of England, which I don't suppose you have over in the states, do you? But um, that's like I believe we all need a basis of religious instruction to help us understand things. But I've and moved on from that because I've, I've found that in my contact with the with the spirit world, uh, and I have become, I guess, more totally spiritual in that respect. Uh, that that religion is a man-made thing. There is mm-hmm. no religion in the afterlife. Now I don't want to upset people and get them all carried away and saying, you know, yes, he's putting religion down. I'm not doing that at all. Uh, my research uh, and contact with the other side says you don't need religion because there is only one uh, life and that is we're all in it. But religion is something that's man-made. Spirit is 
divine made, if you like. Well, no, I I, I totally get that. I I don't think you're offending anyone. I just wondered if you had to reject, you know, if uh, if you had to reject what you grew up with in order to go down this path. Not reject, Karen, more just move on. Uh, Mm -hmm. Religion and other belief systems are something that we go through. They help us form a platform in life, I believe. And then we expand. And once we start doing this, I, I started moving into the, I, I guess you might put a label on it, of metaphysical uh, about uh, 25 years or so ago. And then my beliefs and, and growth has just moved in a, in a whole new direction. So when was the first time you ever made contact with the other side? What was that like? Were you surprised? Um, did you think we were going crazy? What, what was that like? <laughs> That's very true. I mean, I'd already studied astrology and was working, doing psychic work as well as my broadcasting and television work. But when my partner Judy um, passed over in 1997, uh, I was put in touch with her, and I talk about this in the book Afterlife, I was put in touch with her through a medium and um, we were then given permission to be able, by the other side, to be able to continue this in a more direct way. So, in other words, I was encouraged to be able to open up my medium abilities, which started off with automatic writing and then progressed so that now um, I can actually even do medium readings for people. Uh, Not that I'd I'd promote that to be any, any, but a lot of people contact me because of my book, Afterlife. So I do occasional readings for people and connect with the other side. So it it was a gradual process, Karen, to answer your question, but it was a delightful process because it started off with with Judy uh, on a one-to-one basis, and then I've been able to help a lot of other people. I ran groups for a while, and Judy used to come through. Uh, I, I used to call her my spirit wrangler because in the group, she would uh, be there as a kind of, well, we need a gatekeeper, they quite often call them from the other side, to push people through and help them and, and, and organize them. And Jude was a great organizer in, in life. So she used to wrangle all these spirits together and we'd, we'd have group um, connections and all sorts of things like that. So it just developed from there, Karen. And then I guess the logical process was, uh, was a book because I kept on getting these messages from Judy via various mediums uh, in, in Australia, and even a very good friend of mine, Bob Murray in Canada, uh, got on to me one day and said, I've got this person, Judy, on the other side who says, it's about time you wrote a book. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> <laughs> so spirit comes through to us in many, many different ways. Well, no, I think that's true, but you know, well, but but be a little bit more descriptive. You know, when you first sat with that medium and you contacted, made contact with Judy for the first time, did it was it anything like we see in the movies, like sort of a séance kind of a thing, or was it much more, you know, uh, you know, not so theatrical? I guess. Look, I've got to tell you, it was theatrical, Karen. I did describe it in in Afterlife, but. Um, Ruth, the medium, rang me up one day and about three or so months after Judy had passed over and said, would you like to contact Judy? I said, yes, of course I would. So she said, look, be at my place at such and such an hour and, um, and we'll, we'll get through to her. So I arrived and uh, here's Ruth standing, tapping the foot on the, on the doorstep saying, where are you? You're late. I'm saying, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I must have got the times mixed up. This must be a problem with me. It must have been Mercury retrograde, I think. 
Anyway, um, she said, uh, you're late. I said, well, I'm sorry. You know, she said, um, well, look, I've got a room full of people waiting for you. And I, a room full of people? So I sort of peered gingerly around the corner. I couldn't see a soul. The room was apparently empty. But, of course, the room was absolutely full of souls because Judy had done her first wrangling job. She'd brought in friends. She'd brought in family, my parents, other family members. And we had this amazing uh, connection. This was my very first major spirit connection. So it was very theatrical. And the information that came through from that was, was quite incredible. Judy was also having a laugh at me because the Christmas before she had passed away, she had organized a whole group of friends and family for Christmas Day. And I arrived back from uh, working on a show in another city only to find a house full of people. I thought, oh, God, this is not what I want with, with Christmas. I ended up having my Christmas dinner standing up against um, a kitchen bench, which didn't impress me a lot. So this was Judy's way of having a little tongue-in-cheek uh, bit of fun <laughs> at my expense, coming from Spirit saying, here, I'm still organizing big functions for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Barry, you know, I think the thing, you know, and, and I'm not saying this in any way to doubt what you, your ability. And please let me say that to begin with. But, you know, all of the spirit mediums we've seen on television here in the United States, whether it's Von Prague or I forget the other guy who was on TV for a really long time, or you see John the psychics. John, yes, John Edwards. Or you see the psychics that work with police departments. The information that comes through is so vague sometimes. Or, you know, it, 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 you know it's not like, um, you know, it's not clear that there is a connection. It leaves doubt in a skeptic's mind. I guess what I want to know is when you're communicating with Judy or, you know, these other uh, people on the other side. Is it is it more like you and I talking now, or is it just sort of these, uh, you know, can, can they just sort of punch through, you know, like a, a random date or show you an image of something, and you got to figure out why they're showing that to you? Well, that's a that very good sense. question, Karen, and I do very much so, and it's different with everybody. Uh, every medium connects and does something in a different way. I've grown over the years because I started off doing clairvoyant work as well as um, astrology and whatever. And I'm, uh, I'm clairaudient, clairvoyant, and clairsentient. So it's, it's hearing, it's seeing, it's knowing these things. But a lot of my communication is done with the passing of thought because in spirit, they don't have a body, they don't have a voice box. So unless you're channeling somebody... The spirit has to come through in whatever way it can. And this can be a combination of images, symbols, uh, voices in the head, and just an inner knowing of certain things. For instance, the other day I, I did a reading for somebody, um, and I, I have to do telephone readings because I don't live in a major city anymore in Australia. I moved out into the peaceful rural atmosphere in the northern part of, of Australia. And I was doing a reading for this person, and before I actually did the reading, because it was over the telephone, um, I had to do a meditation. And I did the meditation, the person came through to me, and they gave me various images. And one of them that I particularly remember was I was shown a typical um, toolkit 
that uh, a builder would have. I don't know whether you have them in, in America or not, but carpenters and whatever, they, they've got a belt with, with a little harness sort of thing and tools hanging off it. Now, I was yeah. shown a very clear image of this. And when I was talking, uh, and this is what we call survival evidence, when I gave the information through, I told them, and said, oh, yes, yes, he was a, a tradesman. That's exactly, he, he had a belt exactly like that. Now, if I had have said that and the guy happened to be a, you know, a stockbroker or something, it wouldn't have made right. much sense. But because right. of that particular image, that person was able to then say, oh, yes, that and a couple of other bits of information, which I can't bring to mind immediately at the moment. But that was enough to convince them that I was actually talking to this, this um, woman's brother. And then the other information that came through um, that, that they wanted to come through, and it's not just a matter of saying, oh, yes, we love you and we're happy on the other side. Anybody can say that. But there's got to be some specific information that comes through. And this is the difference between somebody who is really connecting or somebody who is, is just hanging on the periphery. Anybody right. can say, oh, yes, I've got this dear old lady there and uh, oh, probably your grandmother. Uh, and she's an old lady and she's, oh, yeah, I think she's wearing glasses and she's doing some knitting and she sends her love. Well, I mean, I can <laughs> say that to anybody. That's not, that's not proof. That's, right. that's just scamming stuff. And there's a lot of scam artists around. You've got, you've got to believe that. Well, true. But and I wonder if there's a way to real. know, you know. I mean, I'm sure my listeners are saying, well, you know, how do we, how do we know who's really good? Well, that's, that's uh, interestingly enough, I did a blog. I wrote a blog the other day for one of my websites on this very topic for my new book. My uh, blog on that one is... Um, BarryEatonNoGoodbyes.com and saying that the only way is really through either uh, personal recommendation uh, and that's the very best way um, or if you do I would never pick anybody out of a newspaper or anything like that um, it, it's got to be a personal recommendation or if you don't know anybody in this area you've got to go with your intuition your own gut feeling and if after 10 minutes or so, you're having this reading and they're talking a whole bunch of gibberish at you. Just say, that is an absolute bunch of you-know-what, I am out of here, and get up and walk out and don't, certainly don't pay them. And in that instance, you know, you've got to be um, strong within yourself to know that you're being scammed. Right, right, and right. And there are, I mean, there's some really wonderful mediums, fantastic mediums. I mean, I've worked with two particularly in my, in my new book that have just brought information through that they could not possibly have known. Because, you know, you think if, you know, I I guess my thought is, you know, this talent ability, you know, and and I I think probably more of us could probably do it, you know, because they say we only use 10% of our brain, you know, so there, there must be other things we could do if we only focused on it or knew we could or whatever, and maybe this is, one of those things, but you know, you would think that um, I don't know. More things would come to light um, that are mysteries. You know, whether it be I don't know people who kill people, uh, you know, assassinations. You know, things that I don't know that that maybe is is being kept from us. 
you know i i don't know maybe i'm i'm going off the deep end here but it or even like you see these tv shows i get so frustrated we have all of these reality ghost shows on tv now and i've stopped watching them years ago because nothing ever happens you know you never see anything <laughs> you never hear anything and yeah, I, I, I guess i wonder what you think about that Oh, look, they're just pure entertainment, I think. It's like reality shows, you know. Do you really think that people uh, head off after one of these master chef things or cooking shows and go off and cook up a storm? No, they're just pure entertainment. And you know, one or two of them might be genuine, but uh, it's TV, for heaven's sake. And yeah. I think you've, uh, it's a totally different subject. Yes, I agree, Karen, there are mysteries. And uh, with my two books, I have attempted to unravel some of these mysteries. And that's why Afterlife is called Uncovering the Secrets of Life After Death, because so many people do regard them as secrets and, uh, and avoid asking questions about what happens, where do we go, what's it like when we get there, what happens when we die, and in between lives, what do we do? I've answered all of those questions with help, obviously, from the other side um, wow. in my books. And, and I think that's what people are looking for, um, and they're not looking for some character with a television camera saying, oh, I'm feeling all scared, and I hear right, a noise right. down the end of a dark corridor. I mean, that's, that's just boogeyman in the, in, the, in the dark stuff, really, isn't it? Well, but do you, I mean, what we would think of as ghosts, I mean, and hauntings and things like that, I mean, do you ever run across stuff like that? Sure. Look, in Afterlife, I talk about how I helped clear a house one day. Uh, a very good friend of mine, Kate, and I've been doing some, um, some live stage presentations with Kate and another wonderful medium out here, Ezio DeAngelis, whom I work with quite a lot. And um, she asked me would I go with her because she'd asked to go in and, and clear this old house and she was a bit nervous going in on her own. So I did, and we had some amazing things that happened there, which once again I've written about in Afterlife. And yes, there are, there are people who who are souls who are afraid to pass over, they're afraid to go into the light because of what they've done in life, because of what um, they, they fear that they're going to, be, uh, going to be punished or sent down into hell. And by the way, there is no such place as hell. There are many different levels in the afterlife, but there's no sort of demons with pitchforks prodding you into a, into a human barbecue or something. So forget all that rubbish that's been put around. Um, but yes, there are a lot of these spirits that do hang around and they, they go into anywhere. And if, if you're working in the light yourself, they're going to be attractive. If you're in the darkness and there's, there's some light, you're going to head towards the light. So that if, if you are uh, presenting a, a kind of a light in your own place, and I, I've had, uh, had, had clearings in my own house that happened. A friend of mine came and helped me out. So yes, wow. people do hang around. We do have ghosts. But... A lot of those ghosts are residual energy forms that have stayed there and, and they've just imprinted themselves into, into the stonework, particularly in old castles and, and things like that uh, that we hear about. So, in, is, in, in so when you say life. that, that they've, you know, residual energy, it's sort of just yep. like, you know, for lack of a better word, sort of like just the crumbs of their essence. It's not actually their full-blown essence because their full-blown essence has maybe moved on. Exactly. And maybe something really tragic happened and they were killed violently um, or 
some dreadful accident or whatever. So that part of their energy has imprinted itself. And that's why the ghost walks at midnight every night uh, doing exactly the same thing. And that energy is there, but it's not necessarily the sole energy of that particular person that died right. in such an extreme way. Right, right, right. I think I know what you mean. Well, you know, um, let's talk a little bit about what it is like on the other side. I mean, so, so you, you know, you you pass over. I guess you go into the light. I mean, we hear that over and over and over again. You go into the light. And then, and then what? I mean, when you're over on that other side, do you remember your past lives, or you just remember the one you just left? I mean, what's it like over there? Or, I mean, is it what we? Exp- I mean, I, I have a theory. Let me just say this first, and you can tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. I sort of think that whatever it is is what we expect it to be. Um, I don't. I, so, so I'll just throw that out there, and in, in you, you tell me what you learned okay well that's that's a very good question and and you are you're spot on in many instances because if people are expecting nothing they're expecting to go into inky blackness that as soon as life ends that's it that's what they will experience for a while and that they will be helped to come out of that blackness and to understand that yes life continues and there's a lot more but the average person who's open-minded ready to, to move on and, and experience life as it continues, will be met. We're all met. Once we cross over, there are people there waiting for us. And they are mostly our family, our soul family, our friends. Uh, so many people, I know when my grandfather passed over, I was a kid, and he was, having talk, he was talking to his dead sisters and his mother and his father. And I have heard this story so many times. It's not just a random thing. And they, we're all met. Then we, after we sort of um, cross over, most of us have to go into a, a, some kind of healing process. Um, because if, particularly if you've died from extreme circumstances like a, a long illness, sudden heart attack, whatever there 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 is an imprint on the the soul that needs to be sorted out on the spirit and we we go into a healing house now there's no such thing as time on the other side so what we regard as as maybe going in there for three or four months might be over in a flash but because there is no time in this other dimension and it is another dimension of reality then they could be in and out in what they perceive as a day or two. But on Earth, there may have been three or six months or even 12 months have passed in that particular time. That's why we can't always contact people. But when they've come through the healing process, which is not done with you know, scalpels and pharmaceuticals and stuff like that, it's done in a very different way. It's done with a lot of love. It's done with a lot of light energy and it's done with a lot of, of help. But there's a tremendous amount of groups that are going around helping people to recover by bringing this, this energy of, of, of complete love, unconditional love, into their presence. I recall um, when I was taken in a past life regression or an interlife regression that when I was in this healing center, this group came and stood around the bed that, that I was in and they just sort of held hands and looked at me and, and I could feel 
this wonderful energy of, of love coming from them. They didn't say anything, but I could feel it. Now, everybody's death experience is unique, just the same as life. Everybody has a different life. We all pass over differently, and we have unique experiences. And Karen, I always equate it to the fact that, say we all went to an airport, and um, you got on the flight at Los Angeles, and you headed across to New York. There's a plane load of people there, 350 people. Everybody comes from a different background. They've all got different ideas. They've all got different thoughts, different lives, different jobs, different economic situations. They get off that plane in New York. They all go on their own way. Some of them are met by friends and family. Others met by tour guides. But they all go off and they all do totally different things. Now, it's similar to that once we arrive back in the afterlife. Once we get through this healing center, which is sort of like clearing customs and immigration, if you like, we then go back and we reconnect with our soul contacts. We have two kinds of soul family, a very immediate close family and a secondary family, which comprise of hundreds, sometimes thousands of souls that we've, we've had experiences with over many years, over many lifetimes. And once we're back in there, we're helped, we settle back into life, in the afterlife, and we reconnect. Yes, we go into uh, explore past lives. We can go into a place that is quite often referred to as the Hall of Records, where the Akashic Records are. And we're able to, once we're given permission to go in there, we're able to access our past lives and find out what we've learned, where we are. Because life is a continuing process. It's not just, here I am, this is the end of that, I'll wait for something else. It, it continues. And we are the end result of every experience that we've ever had. And that's, that's the, the wonderful thing about exploring our past lives and exploring exactly where we are. But then we go into various other groups and we're helped to understand what we did and what we didn't achieve in our, in our past life, our immediate past life. And we are learning all the time growing. And where we end up in the, in the afterlife is a direct result of our soul's growth. So wherever we are, and you can't expect to uh, murder people uh, and do dreadful things as we see so often and hear so often in the news and suddenly go over there and, and be issued with a, with a harp and a cloud. That just doesn't happen. There are right. many, many different levels, just as there are on earth. And if you've been extremely evil then you, are, you, know, you, you, you arrive in a certain area. You're not punished, you're not, but you are helped, helped to understand and helped to make sure that you can move on and grow your soul and advance. But you can't advance until you're able to understand what you've done and start to make amends for it. Hmm. But you know, there's, there's a lot of other things that go on there as well. It's not just all, all work and, and whatever. There's the wonderful activities that are there for us when, when we're there. Uh, music, like concerts. Uh, well, there's a variety, just just the same as you know, here we are in in sort of like New York once again. What do we do there? Do we want to go to the theatre? Do we want to go to a concert? Do we want to see live music, rock music, classical music? Um, do we want to go to the movies? Whatever, whatever. All of these are available, plus other activities. It's all conjured but up through the thoughts, and then that's how it all works. But the power of the mind. And so I wonder is, then, do well. Well, two two questions come to mind. Um, if you if, if if you had a wonderful love here 
on earth, mm. you know, husband, uh, you know, beloved, whatever it is, and sure. one passes and then, you know, the other goes later. Can Do you have the ability to connect on the other side or is that love connection not as important anymore? Um, I don't know if I asked that right, but, you know, it, it's... No, 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 I, I understand exactly what you mean. And once again, this... Uh, comes back to each individual yes most people do reconnect and uh, with with family and and loved ones but if for instance we all have a life contract we agree to certain things before we come into each lifetime and it may well be that you have agreed to come into a life with that particular person uh, and complete in that lifetime things that have happened to you in the past or in between lives or whatever. Now, there may possibly be no reason that you need to connect with them once again when you get back over into the afterlife. Or else you can connect and, uh, and go back and, and be with them. Once again, this is, uh, there is no sort of generic answer to this sort of thing because it's all right. different. But the majority right, right. of people really do connect or reconnect with their loved ones. So is there a lot of um, love affair? Well, you know, you mentioned your your friend Judy, I think it was. Um, Do the people on the other side spend much time, you know, looking at what we're doing, you know, if the loved ones that they've left behind or, again, it's very random? No, no, no. Most of them know what's going on. They, they choose to, particularly if they've, they've had a, a lovely, strong family connection, they choose to come back and spend certain time with us. They don't hang around the whole time. And I mean, it's certainly not an intrusive thing. So don't, don't think that if you're having a very personal moment that you, <laughs> your, your mother or your grandmother's going to suddenly pop through the door and say, hello, what are you doing? It doesn't work like that. Um, we are surrounded by the spirits and they do know and they do make their presence known to us. So many people I know will understand that somebody is with them because they'll have a feeling. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they'll start thinking about somebody who may have passed over years ago and they'll, they'll get this buzz in the head or, or in the heart and know that's there. Sometimes they'll connect with us with um, a fragrance like a perfume or or something that we associate with that person, and and they will let well, us you know, know for that me, there. for me, Barry, I tend to, you know, I want to believe the, those sorts of things, but I don't want to delude myself either. And you know, I think about, you know, my mother just passed over in March. You know, I think about, you know, my husband is older than me. You know, statistically, you know, he will probably pass on before I do. And you know, and I would like to. You know, I would like to somehow know that they're there, but I would be afraid if I associated a smell or something. Like I would just be desperately grasping. You know what I mean? I, I, I guess I'm wondering: is how do you how, can you know for sure? <laughs> well, that's, that's, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? And uh, we all ask ourselves, even experienced mediums and, and psychics, I know. Uh, always have that little element of doubt. Am I making this up? Am I imagining this? That's a human trait. And I think, once again, it comes back into the individual uh, soul here, um, uh, Karen, because if you deepen your heart and deepen your intuitive understanding, believe that that is that person, 
you can do one of two things. You can either accept it and maybe go away and have some quiet time and see what comes through, or you can say, oh no, this is my imagination. I'm just making this up and move on. Now, if it gives you comfort and you're thinking about them, rather than just saying, oh yes, well, I'll think about that later, take five minutes out of your life. Just go and sit quietly somewhere. And if you've, even if you're at work, you can always pop into the bathroom or something like that and have a quiet five minutes. Just steal your mind and see what information comes through to you at, at a deep level. Just think about that person, visualize them, and, and just and if, if you get a good feeling about it, who, it's not going to harm because nobody in, in the spirit world is ever going to say to you to go and do something stupid. Uh, they're not going to ask you to harm yourself or anybody else. So if you're getting any messages like that, then yes, you are imagining it and, and that is something that you need to get some help for. But if you're getting loving messages and thoughts from your, your mother who passed over in March or from, from other people that you know are in spirit and, and you have a good, warm, strong feeling about this, what's to be afraid of? Yeah. yeah I mean, you, well, there's nothing to lose, you know, uh, from, you know, just... Uh, exactly accepting accepting that um well you know i i guess i just um you know you you hear people just so desperately think they're seeing a sign and it's almost sad you know because you know you wonder you know is it really something or are they just you know are they just you know deluding themselves out of desperation but if they're getting a sign and they believe it's a sign and it's comforting them and it's helping them in their grief, and grief is a natural process, if it's helping, what does it matter if they are perceived by other people as being a bit, uh, a bit strange or whatever? I've got a very good friend of mine who is a, is a very high legal person here and he was in a group of mine, um, a development, spiritual development group, and his attitude in life was... What other people think about me is none of my business. <laughs> and when I found that out, I thought, I have really got to embrace that as part of my living. And a lot of people probably think, particularly some of my former colleagues, because I used to be a sports commentator and a journalist and a newsreader and many different things. And I'm sure a lot of my colleagues, former colleagues, think, hello, Barry Eaton, he's gone completely off the rails. He's nutty as a fruitcake. Uh, but what they think about me, that's none of my business because I know that deep down within, I am doing the right thing. I am happy with myself. So what does it matter if somebody at work or some of your member of your family thinks that you're a bit loopy? As long as you are happy and it's bringing you comfort and, right. and you're feeling you're communicating with a loved one, who the hell cares? Right, right, right. Well, so so now you said if somebody kills somebody, you know, they're an evil person, well, you know, there's no hell, but, you know, it's, I, I guess it's a little bit different for them. Would that also include, for instance, I mean, let's say soldiers, you know, people who are sort of forced to go over and do things by the by our countries or something, is, or, is, or is that maybe different than somebody who just kills people because they're crazy? Very different. And I tell the story in Afterlife of a young soldier. I start off with the story of Brian, who as a young soldier finds his... Uh, he, he was dying on the battlefield and then was taken into the world of spirit. And I won't give the story away because it's an integral part of Afterlife. But that young man went across and was completely embraced in spirit. 
and who knows how many people he may or may not have killed uh, in, that, in that war. And this is, this is part of something. If you deliberately go off, though, to, to kill somebody with an evil intent, I think that's a different, a different process to having to defend yourself or defend your country. And yeah. once again, this is a unique experience. So that's not held against... But, but uh, uh, it, it also brings up the question of suicide, and a lot of people mm. think, oh, yes, well, suicide, they're going to be punished and everything like that. Well, no, they're not. They're loved, they're helped. And in most cases, after they've um, been led to understand why they got to that state, they, they're made to realize you can't escape. You've, you've uh, aborted your life contract by taking your life. I'm sorry, but you know, in vast majority of cases, you've got to go back again to do it again because you have avoided and you cannot avoid things in life that you've agreed to face. But you're not so, punished. But would that not, include again, people who... Um, you know, people who are dying and just want to die with dignity and maybe end it so they don't suffer, or, uh, or you know, or, or is that maybe you're talking about euthanasia. You know, okay? You're talking about euthanasia? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, I have addressed this book, uh, this question in my new book, No Goodbyes, but I'll, I'll uh, mention the question now because I also have a, a very open mind about all of this and thought, yes, well, what, what can be wrong with euthanasia? But I was told, uh, and I've written a chapter about this in No Goodbyes, that it's, it's very definitely frowned upon in spirit, uh, euthanasia, because, quote, unquote, some of the greatest lessons you may have had to learn in that lifetime could be learned in those last few months as painful as uncomfortable as they may be for you and everybody around you so euthanasia is not something and and that opened that opened my whole thoughts I thought wow that makes sense to me because lying there in a bed of pain that may be the greatest realization that you've had uh, well and you know and I guess this lifetime that doesn't surprise me because you know, I mean, I've said many times, and I've written about it too, that, you know, the things that make us grow the most are usually the challenges in life, you know. Um, and that that's that's sort of what makes us who we are. It's not the easy stuff. Well, I remember reading a book many years ago, and it was a connection with, with the angelic realm. And the, the, the theory was that we as a human race have virtually chosen to only learn through adversity. <laughs> because if things are going if things are going really well, you're not learning too many lessons, are you? You're not you're not no. sort of picking up you're just sort of, hey, I'm just going to enjoy life and well fun. And we need fun. But it's the it's the times of adversity that do shape us and and help us to move on, I think, and to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So um, I want to make sure, I, I, you know, three other things I, I don't want to forget. The first is I want to know about our pets and animals. I want to know about God. Yep. Uh, and God. do we have, is, are there really guardian angels that are around us guiding us? So I guess those, those would be my three questions. You know, our, what happens to our pets? Okay. What, what can you tell me about God? And do we really have guardian angels? Okay, well, I know we're sort of um, in the last few minutes of our program, so I'll, I'll keep it as brief as I can. 
yes, our pets uh, do go over to the afterlife. They are of a different vibration, uh, vibrational energy to us. But they are quite often people are met by their pets. And from what I've been told, yes, there are animals of all descriptions uh, in, in the afterlife. So we can expect to be reunited with our pets. But the, uh, from what I have been told, we do not come back as an animal. It's a different vibration. And once you're in the human vibration, uh, you come back as a human. So on to the other one, guides. Everybody has a guide, at least one. And they are with us guides, guardian angels, they're there, they're helping us and, and when we get back into the afterlife they're there once again to meet us and steer us through into um, various other activities and, and looking back on, on our life. But, so uh, these guides, though, Barry, are they sort of like a different echelon of being or, or can we become guides at some point? Oh, very much so. Um, I, I've only recently learned that my father in this last life is now a guide. Uh, mm. He's a guide on the other side in the in the afterlife, but um, he is definitely guiding. And it's it's a, a progression, a soul progression, because once we go back into the afterlife, there are many different options, uh, and it will depend on our soul growth. We can either uh, be instructed to come back here for more lessons on Earth. We can move on to other worlds, and we can also work as guides and helping people uh, on both sides of the of the veil. So once again, there are many, many different options. There's not just one answer to this. But yes, okay. we all have guides, and and they are there for us. And once we start tuning into them and listening and, and taking advice and help from them, and once you get a reading with a with a really good clairvoyant, psychic, and a medium they will help you connect with your guide because they'll be connecting with them and getting the information from them. Okay. Now, the final question about, about God. Um, what I have been told is that, yes, there is a divine presence, um, but it's not an old man with a long white beard sitting on a big throne chucking thunder, thunderbolts around the way we've seen portraits of, say, Zeus or Jupiter or something, and the, the, the famous archetypal images of, of God. I connected several years, even before writing my book, I, I, in, in writing my first book, which never ever did get printed, I connected to a deep meditation and asked about this. And I was shown a very clear image of an, like an ocean of energy. And this ocean was boiling and bubbling and I was told quite clearly that this is the creative force of the universe. If we want to call it God, we want to call it the source, uh, the creator, uh, whatever we want to call it, that's fine. But it is the source of all energy. And, and that is what we are all part of, this ocean of energy. And that's what I was told, that when we are born in the likeness of God that we're told about, the likeness is not a human form likeness, but it is a spiritual likeness. And that is the essence of what we are, the soul energy that is uh, taken from the original creative energy. And then eventually, when we completed every single thing, every experience that we need to have, and we are able to get back and, and rejoin that creative energy. But who knows how long and, and what that involves. Right. Well, so... Does well, that make sense? It, 
Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I mean, uh, I interviewed Anne Baring once, and she was talking about how the Hindus talked about, uh, I think it's the sea of being, um, or, or maybe it was the Vedas, I forget now, uh, but uh, it's sort of like a more of a consciousness. But, you know, I'm, yeah. but did you get a sense of, you know, like when we all go, when we all pray, I mean, are we wasting our time? I mean, does this consciousness hear our prayer and answer? Well, don't forget the consciousness has also evolved into many different forms of we've got ascended masters, we've got angelic realms, we've got many different areas that are helping us. So yes, when we, when we send a prayer out, we're not only asking for help, but we are creating an intention as well. Um, I found out at one stage, which, which resonates well with me, that when we pray for something, we are creating that intention of what we want in our life and what we want to achieve. But it's not a matter of just saying, please give me this and sitting back and waiting for it. Otherwise, we'd all be um, you know, driving around in luxurious cars, living in mansions and, and traveling first class. It's not as simple as that. You've got to be able to get out there and do things for yourself by creating that intention. But a prayer is is the first step in that area but providing it is also part of your life contract and you're heading in the right direction you can help make that prayer come true and the people on the other side that are helping you the spiritual energies which are all a part of the consciousness of what we call God yes it's all a combined effort that's how I see it okay well, Barry, I could talk to you for a really long time, but I don't want to take advantage here. Uh, you've, you've told us uh, such uh, such fascinating things. Um, before we close tonight, um, is there anything you'd like to share with listeners that maybe I haven't thought to ask? Not. Oh, well, I mean, there, we could talk for an, another two hours like I did on uh, Coast to Coast, but uh, this is a subject that is so vast, Karen, but... I would just say that uh, in my book, Afterlife, uh, I have endeavoured to cover as much as possible, but there was so much to cover that after I thought I'd finished, I was then told by Spirit, uh-uh, sorry, buddy, you've got a whole lot more to go. Yeah, there's more we want to get out there. So that's why my new book, No Goodbyes, has been written and, and published and will be published in the States next year. There are so many areas, and I talked about time. I talked about um, a little bit about life contracts but we didn't haven't talked about destiny and free will and all of these things there are so many areas that that we can look at um, as far as the afterlife but the main thing I want to get across not only in my book afterlife but and when I talk to people I give talks and presentations and whatever is that we have nothing to fear about when we come to the end of this life cycle we are all going to head back to where we came from so even if you've been a bad boy or girl, it doesn't really matter because nobody is perfect. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. But be prepared to take responsibility for your actions. That is the most important thing. And once so we I've don't so get a free pass for the bad stuff. <laughs> Not a free pass. You don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card. But um, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. And providing you can try and rectify that it's the good things you do it's the balance in life that is really important uh, and if you're intentionally evil then that's going to you're not going to get as many brownie points as people who are doing their utmost to be able to help and and do things in a loving and positive way right 
Well, Barry, this has been great. Um, so let me just repeat the names of your books. Uh, I, I, for my listeners that are just here in the United States, you can get uh, Barry Eaton's book, Afterlife, Uncovering the Secrets of Life After Death. Uh, but for my international listeners, um, Barry, you're no goodbyes. Is that just in Australia, or can people in other parts of the world access it on um, where? Oh, look, it's, a, it's available in, in various online places, Fish Pond and um, Book Utopia, and I, I think it's available. I know Afterlife's available on Amazon, but so many places these days, Karen. Uh, but No Goodbyes will be released in the States next spring. Um, okay. But Afterlife is, is out, and uh, it's available through Tarcha. But I've got two okay. websites as well. Uh, Barryeaton.com is probably the best one. I'm sorry? Please, please mention your website. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, the, the best one is just barryeaton.com, E-A-T-O-N, barryeaton.com, and that can link you across to No Goodbyes as well. But also my radio program I do, which is radiooutthere.com, and um, I, I, you were a guest on the program. I, do different, I have different guests every week, just as you do, Karen and cover many, many different areas. So uh, I loved, and I have so many people in the States who are joining my program lately. It's been absolutely wonderful. So Good. thank you all. So Barry, if listeners wanted to get in touch with you for some sort of, I don't know, do you call it a reading, or um, would, would they be, do you do that? Uh, would, would they be able to connect with you through your website for something like that? Yeah, I, I do a limited number of readings, Karen. But uh, yes, contact me through um, radio out there at gmail.com. That's my email address. Or if you just go onto the radio out there site, there is a wonderful. Uh, there is a well. Listen, when uh, when no goodbyes is out in the states, please get in touch with me and let's have you back on the show and talk about the stuff uh, we didn't get to tonight. Lovely. Thank you very much. I, I certainly will do that. And thank you okay. to you and, and all your lovely listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, well, listeners, I'm sure you enjoyed that as much as I did. A fascinating subject uh, from um, a gentleman who I believe uh, is the real deal. So uh, we are about ready to uh, cross the threshold into the second part of the show. And um, uh, I think you, uh, you know the sound. Yes, indeed. I, uh, I promised that uh, I would share uh, part two of the essay by um, my friend uh, down under, Glennis Livingstone, uh, Ph.D. A week or two ago, I, uh, I shared part one of this essay, Feminism and the Future of Religion. Uh, I believe uh, Glennis presented this paper at the National Socialist Conference in Sydney. And um, part two of the essay actually just came out uh, yesterday or today, so it was perfect timing. So let me share this with you before we get on to some of the other stuff uh, on tonight's show. So, uh, Feminism and the Future of Religion, Part 2, by Glennis Livingstone, Ph.D. Feminism is not the only force pushing change to old stories, myths, symbols, and images, but it is a significant one. And it, has yet, and it has yet enormous resources, a labyrinth of archetypes and energy suppressed for thousands of years, gestating and complexifying, that have the power to scrape clear our eyes of the, quote, learned 
cataracts, unquote. Interest in goddess archetype metaphor and her religious traditions have grown visibly and audibly in the last 15 years in Australia. For some, she is merely a cliche at this point, but that is an inevitable part of the process, a hurdle that can eventually be broken through in the bigger picture. The vision of the earth as Gaia, a living being, as goddess, is one that is gaining in strength. It has at, has at its core an ancient and holistic understanding of being that can call humanity into different relationship with itself and with the universe. But real change is not humanity. Wait, uh, hang on a second. But real change is not inevitable. Even people who think they have changed because they changed a pronoun or pasted in a goddess have not necessarily Ongoing feminist critique and reflection is necessary to ensure the healing of fragmented archetypes that have confined us all. We must continue to speak, to review, to suspect, to research. We cannot make assumptions. We are a long way from having arrived at some kind of real inclusiveness and partnership. The old, well-worn pathways are not that easily given over. It seems that there are a couple of clear directions pulling at the future of religion as the feminist momentum continues to impact on it, and indeed it must be a worry for the religious powers that be. Those directions I describe as shamanic and pagan, which I will define in my own particular way as follows. By shamanic, I mean the individuals or, quote, storying, unquote, themselves, knowing themselves, and thinking from within their own skin. Shamanism relies on direct lived experience for an understanding of the sacred as opposed to relying on an external authority, external imposed symbol, story, or image. Each person must claim their own inner power, imagine or visualize themselves, and use this in the service of life. Myth or story, which arises from within, draws its power from a realm of pattern, Quote, which is common to people of all cultures and all times, unquote. The archetypes that arise have done so since ancient times and have recurred across many cultures in a diversity of form. This shamanic direction tends to come out of a feminist spirituality because here women have learned to no longer take things on faith or prescription. It is a tendency of feminism to cure one from swallowing pre-prescribed religion, all holy texts and myths must be reflected on suspiciously given their millennia of androcratic bias, and one is entered into the process of self-scription, of authoring, scribing oneself. Religion then becomes based on what we can feel, what we can know. We each then find for ourselves our individual role in the matrix a way in which each being is a part of the texture of the universal fabric. We are linked by a recognition in each other of a power that arises from within, not by some external world. When we realize that, we all contain within us that which we seek, a basic premise of the old goddess religion and mystical and shamanic traditions. There is no power base for religious leaders or gurus who claim an inside track or rights to knowledge of the sacred. What we have then as a basic resource is each other, each other's stories, the divine, imminent, and human community. The structural model is one of small network groups, a model that has always been part of feminist praxis. By a, quote, pagan, unquote, direction, 
by a pagan direction that tugs at the future of all religions. I mean one that is connected to the earth and its cycles, material reality, physical existence, body cycles. As women take seriously their lived experience, a notion of deity separate from the cycles and rhythms of physical being recedes, and the necessity of knowing and celebrating the larger rhythms of which one is a part arises. By paganism, I do not mean some kind of regression that would leave behind our hard-won scientific knowledge. On the contrary, since in paganism the divine is manifest in the physical world, and since science strives to deepen our knowledge of the physical world, these two share a future, as they perhaps did share a past. Science has already deeply affected pagan mysticism and will yet more in the future. For example, the spiral, ancient symbol of death and rebirth, takes on a new level of meaning when we recognize it is the shape of DNA. Another example, the ancient notion of the mother goddess always spinning and weaving the threads of life is revitalized with the recent superstring theories of physics, wherein the smallest building materials are understood as waves or strings, and the universe is understood to be pervaded with billions of unseen strings whose different frequencies give rise to all of matter and energy in creation. Relinking with the natural world, our material reality does at the same time mean the remembering of a primal harmony which some people of the earth have not yet ever have not yet ever forgotten. It means opening ourselves to a memory our bodies retain of the primal elements of which we are formed. There is the hope that this kind of spirituality will unite us in our diversity because all humans share this memory. There are no chosen people, all are children of Gaia, the living earth. An issue that I have not addressed, which is commonly thought of in the West, as the ultimate feminist future of religion is, uh, is women's ordination. While it is necessary to be supportive of this cause, it is also necessary to, to be aware of how this debate short circuits, the, short circuits the deeper questions, delays the next steps. As long as feminist women and men can be kept bound up at the gates, assenting to entertaining the rules, the game can remain the same. Ultimately, the change we seek is much broader and deeper, and we must get on. The hour is late. The need for real change is here. The urgent and sacred yearnings of the earth and its people cannot be satisfied with mere cosmetic changes. What is required and what we are on the brink of is a whole system transition, not just the reshuffling of already present pieces, but the addition of entirely new pieces into the whole. The future will be shaped by the vision we humans have of its possibilities and potential. We need to enrich those visions with the breadth of many cultures and the depth of many histories. We need to take into account the whole of human history, including our prehistory, and the whole of humanity, both its female and male halves. The future needs the contribution of much more of our capabilities from all areas of human endeavor. Feminist insight, scholarship, and quest has been and will continue to be an integral part of provoking necessary changes. So that is the essay by Glennis Livingstone. And um, I know you might want to actually read it for yourself. If you're like me, you want to sit there and 
not just hear it, but visually see it and take it in, uh, I believe you can uh, go to um, a page called uh, magoism.net. That's M-A-G-O-I-S-M.net. And if you put in uh, Essay 2, Feminism and the Future of Religion, I think it will pop up. If it doesn't, let me know, and uh, we'll figure something out so that you can... uh, uh, get a copy of it and uh, look at, and look at that. So uh, here goes Joe Carson. The psychic state is the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet. It's called the chthonic mind, the mind of the earth. Our ancestors understood that the animal and the divine were all connected; they were together. That there wasn't a separation. That's what we are trying to return to is that sense that our animal nature is divine. It doesn't get in the way of the divine. It gets us closer to it. What's your idea of being fully alive as a human being? Because that's what's really spiritual. Write it down. Start writing your own Bible if you want. That's the sacred. And by that, I just mean sweaty, fun, happy sex. Well, that was Serena Roney Dougal, Ph.D., speaking in Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia. Dancing with Gaia explores the connection between Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the goddess as Gaia. It features 15 visionaries who give us tools to feel the life of the planet within ourselves. The DVD comes with a 45-page mini-book and costs just $20. You can get your own copy at dancingwithgaia.com. And uh, one of my recent listeners uh, just emailed me saying how glad they were uh, that they purchased it. And uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. And, you know, I know, dear listeners, commercials are not our favorite thing, but I thank your indulgence because Joe Carson's Dancing with Gaia commercials help me keep Voices of the Sacred Feminine on the air. I do pay out of my pocket to do this show every week. And if you'd like to support the show and my efforts, please do send a donation of any amount. Uh, Don't be ashamed, nothing is too small, to my PayPal account, which you can access from my website, KarenTate.com. Just go to the Goddess Store page, scroll all the way down to the bottom, past where you can buy books and the the wonderful Goddess greeting cards that I have, uh, past the free meditations, um, and down at the bottom are the PayPal buttons, and uh, you can send a little something. Uh, if you like, and uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Now, uh, next week, I have Lorelai Black. Uh, She is back on the show. She hasn't been with us for a while. Uh, She is an Aphrodite priestess. She is going to be discussing the results of her recent research into modern-day courtesans and women engaged in contemporary sacred prostitution. Also uh, with me is Jenna uh, Tellendrew, uh, she's calling from the UK. We're going to discuss uh, their, the school they have over there, uh, the Contemporary Sisterhood of Avalon, a Celtic woman's mystery tradition over there in the UK. Um, and I guess I would just like to say to you, uh, my dear listeners, remember um, who you are. Be proud. You are the cognitive minority. Uh, we are the people who have an edge on... Uh, 
so much, so much understanding, so much awareness, and uh, we are waiting for the rest of uh, humanity to catch up. So uh, speak out, help shift the world paradigm by being who you are, walking your talk, believing what you believe. We are the women and men changing the world. And remember, when things feel like they're getting tough, we are making a difference. And uh, those words of Gandhi, I go back to them lots. I really do. Uh, First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. So uh, tonight I'm going to close with something from a new artist. Uh, Elaine Silver, uh, she contacted me recently, and uh, and I really do like um, her music. And I think um, tonight I will go ahead and play Shakina by Elaine Silver. Uh, thank you all, dear listeners, uh, for uh, for tuning in, and um, I appreciate your listener loyalty. I really appreciate when you actually get in touch with me, and uh, I know you're out there and uh, what you think. Let me know what uh, you think about my idea to do the feminist fairy tales. Uh, Let me know about the Nashville conference or the tour to Turkey, or if you've gotten my book and you like it or you've put a review someplace. Tell me. Just tell me. Okay, so here we go. This is uh, Shakina by Elaine Silver. Enjoy. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Good night. Shahina, Shahina, come to me now. Shahina, Shahina, come through me now. Shahina, Shahina, I am set free. Shahina, Shahina, soaring through me. I open my heart with your love. I open my eyes with your sight. I open myself with your sweet release. I open my mind with your light. Shahina, Shahina. Come to me now, Shahina, Shahina, come through me now, Shahina, Shahina, I am set free, Shahina, Shahina, soaring through me. I'm breathing you in the heat. I'm loving you in the south. I'm sharing your riches in the west. I'm trusting you in the north. Shahina, Shahina, come to me now. Shahina, Shahina. Come through me now, Shahina, Shahina.